Zane Lowe, Apple Music. This is the Zane Lowe interview series. I am Hanuman. Zane is out, but in the meantime, I wanted to bring you his conversation with Linkin Park. Obviously, in the wake of tragedy of losing Chester Bennington, the, the band has found themselves in a very peculiar situation. What do you do with legacy? What do you do with um, a body of work that spoke to so many people over the course of so long? And 20 years ago, this year, the band released one of the most significant albums of that time, Meteora. The remaining members of Linkin Park touched down here to talk with Zane about what you do with that body of work and the enduring legacy of the band. And it's, let's be perfectly honest, incredibly significant. Enjoy this conversation and then take a listen to the 20th anniversary edition of Meteora streaming now for the full experience. I'm giddy seeing you, boys. I love good seeing to see you. you too, yeah. Oh, man, I missed you. It's so nice to see the three of you. I'm kind of emotional, I'm not going to lie. I mean, we go back a long, long way. And it was so joyful throughout my life, um, and along with millions of other people, to see this band just achieve so much. Not just in terms of the constructs of success, but just the quality of music and the, 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 you know, the love of the shows and the fans and how creative you've been. And still, even with this 20th anniversary, still finding ways to say to people, hey, think about it this way. Mm. You know? So yeah. thank you. It's That's amazing. So it's cool. amazing to see you. And uh, you've been instrumental in kind of nurturing nurturing our band, being like a good-looking older brother um, <laughs> since we first made it, made it uh, uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And uh, we're super grateful to you and the role you've played in our career for sure. <sighs> we were babies, man. I mean, even I was baby-ish. You were just babies back then. I mean, seeing those photos of you coming out, those first promo shots and stuff, you were straight out of high school, it felt like. It's crazy. I mean, that's when we were putting together the, you know, we just heard Lost, like yeah. this whole Meteora 20th anniversary thing. One of the things that got sent to me that I hadn't seen, or at least hadn't seen most of, was the um there's like a 70 something minute documentary mm. it's i call it documentary because there isn't a good way to describe it it's just like it's like almost like the on tour version of like home movies <laughs> um it's just like footage you know all of this footage of us from the the era of meteora yeah. the end of the touring cycle on hybrid theory and getting starting to write music and starting to write the album um so immature <laughs> so ridiculous like awkward as hell yeah i know some of the guys like watched it with their families and watched it with their kids and their kids are like who is that like, <laughs> that's me that's your dad like the, the best part about that for me i've got a couple teenage daughters and they're all over me about what I, i'm gonna say we but yeah. really about what i am wearing in some of these things <laughs> i know and, and the, the best part about it, I'm like, I was right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm like, they're like, what are, you, what are you doing, Dad? Like, what, what the heck is going on there? And for me, I'm just kind of like, well, that's my version of trying to be very cool. But here's the thing: that's, 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 how, <laughs> that's how bad I was at it, and that's why I gave up trying to be. But here's the extra beautiful twist in that tale: is most people get to pull those photos out of photo albums and share them with their teenage kids and say, "Look, this is what I wore at around five, ten people." in my circle. Right. You were wearing that in front of a hundred million people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The irony is they're the last ones to laugh at those photos. You know what I mean? If anyone right. finds them funny at all. For but sure. what hasn't dated is the music at all. Mm. It's crazy. And in fact, I'm finding nuances to this music that I missed the first time around. Going back to Meteora in advance of our conversation reminding myself, I'm like, there's so much Martin Gore in this as well. There's so mm. much Depeche Mode in this. Cool. I never really yeah. got that the first time around. Yeah. yeah. My brother was like, like so mad at me at that time because he was like, he remembered when I got my driver's license and I was like, um, I would have to drive him and our, our neighbor to school. It was the three of us in the car. Mm. And my rule was, it's my car, it's my music. Like, yeah, right. You'd listen to what I want to listen yeah, to. Right. That rule hasn't so, changed, by the way, for the most part. So it was Tribe Called Quest. It yeah. was, was hip-hop. It was yeah. all hip-hop. Yeah. And when, especially when Meteora came out, and I think there was even a picture, I think we had met Depeche Mode at some point yeah. or something like that. And he, I remember talking to my brother, he's like so mad at me. He's like, 
Depeche Mode was my band. Like <laughs> I wanted so badly to play that on the on the on the ride to school, yep. and you would not let me. You did not like that music back then. Like what happened? Now you're like doing remixes for them. Yeah, that's not fair. I know. <laughs> so what happened? How is it that the band that was the lowest? on the playlist for you on the ride to school ended up having such a like like an yeah. influence. Well, Chester idolized Depeche Mode, first of all. He did. Loved. Right. I, I mean, I feel like he would probably have said, like, this is my favorite band about maybe multiple bands. <laughs> and I'm sure Depeche Mode was definitely, this is my favorite band. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love Depeche Mode. I feel like Depeche Mode has a particularly strong influence on Lost. Mm. I really hear the I Depeche hear that Mode as well. influence. I hear that. I, I can actually, it's, I'm glad that you talked about Chester in relation to Depeche Mode and that he played an essential role in that because once I figured it out and I heard it, I couldn't unhear Dave and Chester and the similarities in the way that they are emoting. They sing different, but Dave Gahan and Chester Bennington are emoting from the same place, I feel. there's a Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I think that one thing that we always noticed and worked sometimes with and sometimes against in the studio with Chester was that he, you know, when you have an idea, it comes through different filters in your head. Like, I feel like, I, I, I feel like when we have an idea for a part of a song, it's almost like fishing. Like you're just waiting mm. with your line in the water until something comes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's here. Yeah. But then once it gets there, it'll go through different filters. Sometimes it's like filters of this is what I want to do with it. Sometimes it's filters of fear of like, well, if I do this, what will the fans think? Other times it's imperceptible things like favorite other albums, favorite other bands, favorite things. And, mm. and that one in particular, he would in the studio sometimes sing a thing and I, one of us or some of us would know, okay, that I know where it's going. coming from his Dave that Gone filter. fandom. His, his it's Gone coming filter. from this is his yeah. his this sounds like the cure. This yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. Zeppelin. This sounds like Jane's addiction. This sounds you know what I'm saying? So it, we do we we'd have these exercises probably more later on in our career. Yeah. That weren't developed yet in the Meteora era. And the exercises tended to be if he was stuck in one of those where it really felt like the influence mm. was coming through mm. maybe too much. Mm. This one, I don't, on Lost, I don't think it's Definitely too much. Definitely not. I, but in the cases when it was too much, you do this fun thing with him. I'd go, okay, cool. That sounded great. Now do it like so-and-so. Like literally like do it like Adele. Do it like Michael Jackson. Oh, do it like someone. And he'd do the exact the same. Yeah, and it would rip him right out of that thing. And then he'd listen to it back and go, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then he'd sing it. And because what we were looking for is for him to sing it like himself 100%. Yeah, and that time. was one of the crazy things, too, that I always thought about Chester's voice. Like he had a talent to do almost to like parrot or mimic so many other different things, not only vo other vocalists. Like we'd, we would, Mike and I, one of our favorite things would be like, sing this song like this person, just, just messing around, like traveling together. Like, do this Adele song, but do it as Al Green. Like, do this, <laughs> you know, like whatever weird combo yeah. we could make that would make us laugh or entertained but in addition to that he could also be like okay now sing that song but be a trumpet or like be a tuba you know and he could do it like he could <laughs> he could just kind of create whatever you gave him as far as like a yeah sonic direction to go with so at times i think that the process was in the midst of all of that like all of his options that he could go with was kind of zeroing in on what's going to fit this song what's going to be his best expression of you know, coming from him. Well, yeah, there's a lot wrapped up in that, right? Because I hear his fandom. I hear how he was moved by music. I know he was deeply, deeply dedicated to the craft of music, but I I never heard him imitating on any of your songs. So if, if you ever get to the filter, the filter system works because it's entirely him. But the thing that I, that I remember about Chester, my my prevailing top image in my head is this kid who could pull it out of him like Lane Staley deep, like, oh, like the tar that's in there. But he's so goofy. He was so goofy. <laughs> like his humor was so goofy. And at times if he was in that mood, he'd just be this insatiable, like, ah, oh, you know, I've got too many jokes and too many things and too many impressions and too much of this. And that's what I remember is this just like, lightness but then you'd hear him and it'd be like this guy's got 
darkness mm. and has to find it. Mm. That's a rare combination in music. Yeah, it know? was it was those extremes. I think were a part a good part of what what I don't know. It, it was a it was an element in the in the chemistry of the band for sure. Don't you feel like it was just meant to be? And I'm not talking about recent years, but the beginning, the meeting, the thing. I mean, you didn't have a singer and he wasn't in your crew and you guys, a lot of you grew up and came up together. And don't you feel like, like, have you ever thought about that? Like that just tiny little moment in time, that one person saying that one thing to meet that one person, and just chain of events, it just unfolds. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing his voice on the demo. We had like a demo without vocals and I remember hearing... I think it was like picture board. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing his voice and it sounded like on the same song, it sounded like almost like a girl singing. Like very, it was a very, and the verse had a very vulnerable, delicate quality to it. And then the chorus had like this guttural scream. I think both of those elements are present in the song Lost. Definitely. I mean, the verse is like, so you're talking about, you know, dynamic elements of, you know, a personality. There's, there's the, the, delicacy of the verse in the song lost and then the chorus couldn't be more you know eruptive eruptive um i should just have you with me all the time in case i can't find the word <laughs> ironically i don't think that's actually a word <laughs> it is I, now i, think I, like Adam, the word. I think yeah, it is now is, but i don't know if it is now i don't think i'm going to get away with that on the myt cross listen <laughs> listen if shakespeare could invent however many words he invented then you definitely have a license my friend thank you my man he was definitely that and um, but then the band was filled with that, right? I mean, you and Chester, that's what I was thinking. Is yeah, that it, it, it filled was, with contrast. There was a when we needed when we needed to have a band, like when the when the songs and the concept of the album started to uh, not album, but the the approach, yeah, like started to come together. We were all already already friends, and then we didn't even have like it wasn't like I know twenty guitar players. I knew Brad, like right. You're a like, high school band. You're I, high school friends. We were Let's, all. Yeah. We all knew each other, and it wasn't. And it was. We knew we got along, and we knew this was what a, a style of music we all liked. And Dave enjoyed. and I were already sharing a bed, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Which, by they the way, if, 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 I don't mean that metaphorically. And, and by the way, this is the one industry we can get away with not meaning it metaphorically because every young band shares beds at the beginning because you only have fuck. You can only afford two beds. No, for four I mean people. for I mean for a good couple years we slept in the same bed. Yeah. Well. Support each other however you need to. Room? Bedroom. There you I think go. it was a bunk bed. I mean, that's, no, that's not true. really sharing a, a Were you bunking? I thought you were in separate... I, I think didn't, we I didn't, had a... We I were didn't, college... Dave and I were college, college roommates. roommates. Yeah, I, I didn't think see we, the bunk bed, bed era. Was a bunk bed. I don't, don't think I saw the bunk bed era. Don't turn to me and ask me. Those are dark days that I have <laughs> just blacked out. Dude, tell but, me. I know. I know. Do You You. You don't know because you never lived with Brad... I came. Age, I came to the. Age twenty. What was that I like? came to the apartment and I saw the the state of the kitchen and the bathroom. I like and to know. I like to I, change you, my you know hair. I like to change my hair a lot. If no one's noticed, and um, one of the things I was most guilty for, would, I would like shave my head. Where? Anywhere. That's, <laughs> see, that's t- terrible. <laughs> That's bad, bad etiquette. Bad etiquette. And and then, true answer though. And that's then a, also when we were touring, I had roommates still, and I would leave the remnants and just come back weeks later it's it's one of the only things like okay real talk because i'm throwing shade but i'm sitting under the tree i i've had to develop an enormous like protective process because i shave my own head and my wife's just like you gotta get your together (laughs) (laughs) if i find your little hair in one more piece of my bathroom cabinet like we're done <laughs> you know like it's like on, on the toothbrush it's bad Come on. you got to be really careful yeah. with that stuff yeah. but i so i kind of understand where you're coming from but it doesn't make it any easier on my erstwhile friend over here having a roomie with you it was a it was a tough period uh. I, yeah so you know what you're gonna do it was but, actually you know what zane <laughs> what? looking back it was an excellent period to get me ready to tour that's exactly what i was gonna say there i was like go. most people get to walk away there from the is. college yeah. experience that's and right. never <laughs> see you again you went I, out on the road for 20 years yeah we we were living in a tour bus starting at age 18 while we we're yeah. in college yeah and just uh, didn't have wheels yeah the tour bus just never got to move anywhere and never got aired <laughs> out <laughs> This is the thing, though, that brings me back to Meteora, which is just such a, it it speaks to the achievement 
Here's what I loved when I heard Meteor for the first time. So Hybrid Theory comes out. People conveniently ignore the fact that most of the band have known each other for years and that you emerged from high school with an idea about what you wanted to be. Different name, same idea. Ambition was strong. You remember this. Everyone was just like, manufactured, put together, blah, blah. Okay, can we pause on that specific yeah, thing? Because this is part of the story of this album. It's the uh, towards the middle and end of Hybrid Theory. Yeah. The rumor began yes. because the band was so popular. I think we're about to say the same thing. So, so I'm, I'm on go. it with you, and I want to. I'm going to ask you a go. question right yeah, now because I'm go. so so curious. Go. So this rumor started in Europe, probably England, in the press. It was definitely in the UK, right? And they and they we I remembered reading it for the first time. They're like, oh, this is a manufactured it band, was like a boy after band, King's College. And and they said, yeah, the band members didn't know each other. They got assembled by a record label yeah. manager or whatever. They it, somebody else wrote the song. It was as dark as most of their music's on tape at those kind of shows. Because again, what I said when we before we were on the air, you came onto that stage at King's College in front of eight hundred people and sounded like you're on stage at the Madison Square Garden. Like everyone was just like, this is not what new bands come to the UK and do, right? So I smell a rat. That's right. what people say. Yeah, yeah. And so what also, was your? They're also like. That bass player is far too good looking. That's far what I, so I good looking. Right? I mean, cut him off to make the space. So good looking. I beat you to it. You. It was Are more the fact. Bass player, I was gonna say you. Okay. Uh, you were gonna say, I was going to say he was just far too handsome. Uh, it was more the fact that you were pulling an Adam McKay and Ricky Bobby, and you were like the, the <laughs> bass plays. The bass is still playing, and you're like, guys, you should get one of these chicken sandwiches. They're awesome. Yeah. That could, that, I also like. <laughs> Guilty as charged. The bass isn't even plugged in. That's like exactly I, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Back to your train. No, of no. That's my question for you. I want to know what was why going did on. You spread that rumor. Yeah, I was, I, I was young. Going. Didn't uh, you? Didn't you think about our feelings? Like, uh, what, no, what was going on from your perspective? On, re, in, in, I'll tell you exactly what yeah, I yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Was happening? I'll tell you exactly what I said. So the Kings, the Kings College show happens. The album starts to go gangbusters, right? It, and and the fans don't give a. Sh- they're buying the record and the press is all super occupied around this whole like they're a made up band it's all formulated data mm. and of course it gets to me because you know there's a small group of people who have opinions about music enough to talk about this and I remember exactly what I said I said who cares interesting who cares because I didn't know the truth at that point I didn't know your background I didn't know you guys were mm. friends and I certainly didn't realize you were going to go on and make Meteora etc 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 and become one of the biggest weirdest bands ever <laughs> right I didn't know that no one can see the future I just said who cares Mm. An album's amazing. Show's incredible. And that bass player is exceptionally good looking. And that bass player who doesn't seem to be playing at all. He's really he's really easy to look at. His name so is like Phoenix. let's just, just run just with enjoy it. it. He's redefining <laughs> effortless. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And by the time the album did what it did, it didn't fucking matter. Mm. The only thing that probably really mattered to you is how do we translate? this now because you had the biggest album on the planet like in the world people say that they're like i got the biggest album no 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 like statistically the biggest album on the planet fresh out of high school you've done the groundwork you put the work in you found your singer you're touring it and now what do we do and that's what i was going to say about meteora what i loved about meteora was you didn't muck around you came back pretty quick with an album that built on hybrid theory, bigger, better songs in a lot of cases, bigger sound, and I and did it again. And at that point, it's like, yeah, you can all just go off, like it's done. You well, know? we had, I mean, part of the the reason that this this 20th anniversary thing came together, from from my perspective, when the question was asked, like, should we do uh, a 20th anniversary package for the second album, I was like. I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like feel like I'm like milking this thing, right? Like, the album was the album and everybody knows the story. But we started to uncover the stuff that hadn't been released. And one of the great things about it was you, we made a point starting mid hybrid theory. We, because of some of the things people were saying, right? Well, it sounded reactive to me. Like, we'll show you. Well, they don't, they just don't know. Like, it's the only problem is that they don't know. So let's show them, let's help them know. And so we, we brought our, our Dave's like childhood friend, Mark, out on the road with us. Yeah. He was like filming everything. We were capturing more stuff. And so that's why the Meteor 20 package is what it is because we started capturing everything. It's like other bands weren't really filming everything at the time. Yeah. Filming wasn't super easy. You didn't have camera phones. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, so we were filming and, and you were documenting it. So we were documenting, almost yeah. protect the, the the future legacy of the band from this bullshit. Right? But but it wasn't. We went. We may have started from maybe of a defensive kind of position, right? But it it quickly became something else. Like it was the th idea of work in progress became one of the themes of the album. It's like yeah, we are a work in progress. Our yep. music is a work in progress. Yep. All the stuff that we're making. You know, like we were aware, like maybe in 10 years, we won't love it as much as we do right now, but we love it right now. So let's just show people what we're doing. I think part of the whole, just to finish the thought, I think part of the, the what was a comfortably convenient element of that false narrative was that Chester had come in late and was such a powerful voice and a powerful part mm. of this experience that people thought, oh, they shop for members, right? Until they get the perfect formula because Chester was just so ready-made for this from a from a fan's point of view. It's like, this guy looks amazing. He sounds amazing. He carries these songs like no one else can. Like, who finds this guy? And everyone's like, well, people find this guy, right? Groups of people. That's how you find people that good. You know, just, It's not like you stumble across them on the playground or in a rehearsal room, you know what I mean? And so it, it was just so incredible watching you come out like that here's the headline people couldn't they couldn't absorb it it's too ready it was too big and that's why it was so successful i think what's like remarkable about meteora looking back on it now is it really was it was a good problem to have and yet it was a problem that hybrid theory did become the biggest album in the world <laughs> yeah. and we were like 10 years old yeah yeah <laughs> and we were like i mean we were just talking about meeting you and we when we flew over to the UK like there's video of us in this package like uh, with our faces in our spaghetti you guys were beavis we didn't even hit a bit you weren't you were fucking, I was not no you were not I remember you were very grounded you were trying to make the jokes but I just felt like you were like no 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 no. come on come on come on we're in the UK we're doing press come on come on come on come on we're gonna show yeah. but, but a few of you were definitely like I, I didn't even on? know what I didn't I even know what be like that. um Joe <laughs> I didn't even know what jet lag was like yeah. we were so young and we did have so much success and the yeah. question was always like what are you gonna do now yeah is there, is there a lot of pressure and, oh, and we'd answer God, like God we suck man we'd we answer suck. like no you know but like the reality was like, there was a lot of pressure and it's not made better by the fact that, you know, people kept asking, asking. us that. Yeah. And so to actually like yeah. have that platform and have that challenge and to be able to like create this album that we were so proud of was kind of like miraculous. Like it, it, it was miraculous that happened with Hybrid Theory. Like mm. it definitely exceeded, like we just wanted to get signed, which was hard. Speaking of Chester, like we still, even when Chester was in the band, we showcased for every label. No one signed us. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. our goal was really to like get signed and make an album. Yeah, you, 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 your mentor had to get a high level job at a label to get you in through yeah. the back door. Yeah, no no one actually like saw us and right? like at that point and signed us. And so, um, yeah. So to be able to Amazing. make this record and kind of solidify our identity as a band was was really kind of triumphant. And it's amazing yeah. 20 years later that we're still here talking about the album. It sounds so sick, man. When I put it on the other day, I was reminded by just not only did you did, did you prove your point, but you did so by taking risks. Just some of the scales you were using, the sounds you were using. I mean, you know, strange, odd samples and cool yeah. things. Well, and... that was a point, I think a point of one of the things as I listen back to it and, and as I've been talking with people about it this month, I think that um, I, f I had forgotten that we had this intention of going, you know, hybrid theory was our first stab at saying we're taking these different things that we like to yeah. listen to yeah. that are very specific, you know, um, and they're un and at the time very unusual to put these things together, and then now it's the just called music, right? But yeah, but, no, but there was my, like but, when you asked people back then, what do you listen to? They would say a genre. They would say I okay. like this type of metal, like this type of rap, and they didn't like other things. Yeah, but but you make a really good point, right? So at this point, I'm a big like rap music fan, right? Like, and I always have been, and and it's it's a big part of what I, I chose to build my identity around it. Blah blah. And you guys come out and your album opens with a breakbeat. And everyone was dancing around breakbeats. Like, mm, oh, you know, mm. I use a breakbeat and I use a breakbeat and we've got a DJ, we've got a DJ and la 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 la. And so you guys come out and the first thing I hear is this. 
And I'm like, that's a real f- breakbeat. Like, that's not these guys aren't like tourists here. Like, someone in this band knows how to sample properly and program properly and do this shit and make this shit sound good. And then this happens. That's weird. That's emotional. Oh, this is going to be fun. Like, there was so many things wrapped up in what you were doing, and you maintained that that weird combination. Like, you never, ever got away from the emotion of your music. People go hard all the time, but they don't always bring the emotion along for mm. the ride. I think with Meteora, there were layers to expanding the palette. Like, Hybrid Theory had a, had our first, you know, we, we got 12 songs at defining the palette to you. And then one of the benefits of having a second album is to double that number, like to say, okay, cool, you understand this much about us. Let us fill in a lot of gaps and add a whole bunch of other colors. So all of a sudden you have, you know, programmed elements on the record like Faint, oh, yeah. like uh, some of the sounds on Numb, some, some of, and then especially nobody's listening which is a rap song based on based on a japanese flute sample you've got session with which references like aphex twin and square pusher and electronic music we like breaking the habit and then most importantly most importantly you've got breaking the habit which when we made that we said we're going to do a a song that's going to be dark emotional it's a single it's going to be uh no heavy guitars it's going to be no screaming it's just going to be a powerful Linkin Park song. And we, I remember how hard we went. Do you remember how hard we went with the label to say, like, you guys can do other singles and stuff, but this one has to be a single. Mm. Do you remember that? That was like a, it was a real kind of like, they like were looking then at each other works. going like, yeah. like it's you great, guys are known for the other thing. It's yeah. a great point because it's easy to think about how Meteora connects with hybrid theory. And yeah. it's also easy to forget like how risky that was and how expansive it, diverges it was. From, to, yeah, yeah, Breaking the Habit, perfect example. That never could have been on our first album. You know, I look at Breaking the Habit lyrically and I, I read through it. It's, it's like many of the lyrics that are written and performed by Chester and yourself, heartbreaking at times, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of searching for identity through pain. Mm. But what was interesting for me about Breaking the Habit, going back to it, is it's almost theatrical. It's almost like a high-level Tony Award-winning theater <laughs> production. You know, to the point when you're repeating that, you know, I'm breaking the habit, I'm breaking. It's like that classic thing of like, mm. we're going to carry this cadence over until we, we've reached some kind of emotional high point, but we can get higher and we can get higher and we can get higher and then we will land this thing. And I'd never heard anyone in modern rock music at that time take on all of the elements you just said and and pull it off i think to the element we're leaving out like when you say breaking the habit you actually like i see breaking the habit yeah mm. it's it's extremely visual for me and so i think that the element too that we're leaving out in this so far is the visual element of the band was never like the second thought of like oh how are we going to bring this music now to life and and have a visual component like mike and joe went to art center which is one of the best art schools in the country i i took high school classes with mike there so you could tell where my ceiling is reached um and working even working with with frank at warner brothers who we've worked with for forever and and delta on the meteora wall like the visual art was was always primary um, in the band's mind. And, um, I think this is one of the most kind of beautiful expressions of that. that. I always, as a joke, I always tell people, you know, young artists, young musicians, whatever, what's the, what's a big piece of advice. I always tell them, get a visual artist in the band. I mean, we're just lucky enough to have two Mm -hmm. because it is such a, I, I see so many bands that either don't, enjoy that don't look at it as being important or Mm -hmm. just don't have anybody directly in the band who can really like steer that ship for us we've always had this i think we take it for granted that we've got that that interior in the band with mike and joe both where like breaking the habit as a video being a great example like joe was able to take that work with those guys at no point did i ever feel like 
concerned that this wasn't going to be coming from a voice in the band. And, well, you know, actually and- a collective voice. And the cool thing about the way you did it was that mm-hmm. Linkin Park became the focus because you were able to build art and visuals and ideas yeah. around the band and around the collective work. And it didn't just become the Mike show or the Chester show, as it often does when you put this in the hands of other people, they zero in on the obvious common mm-hmm. denominator, which is the singer. Perfect. Put them up front. Sell it. You always made Linkin Park the headline. Yeah, we especially I think especially back then it was a little bit of a fight. I remember having a couple conversations with our publicist at the time saying that they wanted Dave to be the focus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get that. I do. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's I obvious. Do. Like it's, if you're listening to this, you, you want to sell something. Yeah, you don't I get always the measure same. the most important member you're of watching. the band on who doesn't speak to me, and he stopped speaking to me after hybrid theory. <laughs> Straight <laughs> up. Just didn't take my goals. He stopped speaking to me too after right. hybrid theory. <laughs> Yeah, there was it was definitely like a like a conversation about the band's six guys. Like we, you know, like we don't want to see just me and Chester on the cover if we can if we mm. can help it. Mm. And you know, the the other side is saying, well, we sell more magazines if it's fewer people and if their faces are bigger. In mm. fact, by the way, like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, they'll tell you the same thing. Like mm. the bigger the singular face is in the square. The, the better it performs. So we, we had to, you know, it's a push and pull. I love the point you're making, Zane, which is that like by really creating a visual, a whole, this, was, this album, Meteora, had a whole visual it's a world. world. Mm. So that's what you think of it when you think is, of the band. If you don't have that, then of course you have to put the, the face. We only of- have a limited amount of time. And if you don't tell me what I should experience through your lens, I'm going to pick it. Mm-hmm. And chances are I'm going to go to the loudest most visible thing out there. And we joke around, but most people, it ain't Dave. And it ain't, you know, it's like that person, right? Sure. And, and I need Linkin Park to be a band in order to, to, be, to come to your festival. If I'm going to believe in your taste and believe in your brand I'm, and to come to Project Revolution, I'm going to have to believe in the band, right? Mm. That's how it goes. Mm. And I think you got that right entirely. That being said, how was Chester dealing with this at that time? Because fairly new in the band compared to the rest of you, Hybrid Theory, Skadoosh, <laughs> Meteora, let's just keep going. By the way, in between, we've done a remix album, mm-hmm. which had so much influence that would only become evident as time went on. <laughs> so respect for that. <laughs> I mean, we just thought you guys were f***ing around trying to sell more records. Uh-uh, this is really the other side of Linkin Park. You'll get to know us later. If, if, we, if we were just trying to like capitalize on it and sell more records, we wouldn't have done like the majority of the of the features on that record are like completely unknown. At People, the time, at the time. <laughs> the label was like, wait, what? At the time, but <laughs> but again, super dialed in. That's the thing a lot of people now realize about you is, and I'm, well, I'm gassing you, but this is the time to do it, you know, uh, looking back on it, great taste right the way through. So, you know, there's that. How's Chester dealing with, with yeah, you're a band, but he was always a compelling, interesting person and his music and the way that he sang your songs drew people into that curiosity in a big way. How was he handling that from memory? I mean, the the story that I go to immediately, just because it's a, it's a me and him, it's exemplary of the way he saw our dynamic, was that during hybrid theory, mm-hmm. there was a question from the label, like, well, he, the singer's so good. Like, they even went to, at a certain point, they had kept having trying to meddle in our creative process and change the DNA of the band. And at one point there was a suggestion, well, maybe like you just have the singer sing and you don't do any rapping, which to all of us was like an offensive suggestion, but they went, they kind of backdoored it to him and went directly to him. And, and the sell, the pitch was, we're going to build a new thing all around you. You are the star. You already are the star. Like it should be all about you. Yeah. Let's just speak to the id and figure it out. Whatever, like whatever about these other guys, like we're not, we don't need them. We understand you. Yeah. And you're important. You're the most important. Mm -hmm. And he, I remember coming, you remember we sat in the kitchen at, at NRG studio and he like took us aside and he's like, Hey, you guys, like you need to know they did this to me today. They said these things to me, and this he recounted the whole conversation. Wow. And we were all like, holy shit. In my mind, I'm like, oh boy, like this is the beginning of the end, right? Because they're right. Like he's incredible, and we need him. Yeah. Like I don't know if he needs us. So they went to him and they said these things. We were like, well, what did you say? And he goes, I told him to go f 
themselves. <laughs> like, I was like, yes, like, okay, he has our back, we have his back. That, that was the start, to me, that was like a real galvanizing moment. That was the start of, you know, all for one and one for all. And mm. it's, not, it's not a perfect thing. Like, it's like brothers or family or of whatever, course. you know, where there's going to be... But it's clear sh- that's what he wanted was it, a family. It was, it was a real statement. And right? I, yeah. And, and the, the, it thing meant a too, lot. the thing too that came out of that, I think Chester was on board first and foremost, maybe even leading the charge on it, is like, let's do it our way or let's not do it. Mm. Like, the, he was a champion for that in so many ways, even coming into Meteora. And, and we would all fight amongst ourselves, but it, at the end of it, it was like, let's figure out how we want to do it. And if that's not going to work, then we don't want to do it. Like, let's make yeah. sure that we love it. And then, and then we can put it out there and be confident in the fact that at least the six of us are on board and we hope you like it. Yeah. We hope you love it. But if not, we've done all we can do instead of like the reverse of that, which is kind of listening to the outside ideas and kind of getting that weird feeling in your stomach of like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is how I want to do this. I don't know if, how, if this is how I want to create or approach this process. I think that's one thing that's really special about this moment in time for us with Meteora. I'm just now remembering. Yeah. Man, Zane, you. Um, <laughs> with, <into> your thought. <laughs> with, hi- <laughs> with hybrid theory, um, have you considered doing this professionally? <laughs> um, Never. <laughs> by the way, am I going to get a bill for this? No. <laughs> um, I'm, I might bill you, Brad. Hybrid theory was like us against the world. Like with a story Mike, Mike and Dave are recounting, it was like having to fight just to get our, our actual authentic point of view across. And what was like both so liberating and terrifying about Meteora is like we, no one, no one effed with us on Meteora. We got you know? away with it. It was like, okay, you guys did it. Now, what do you really want to do? And like this album was the, total pure expression of just like this is us like delivering you know what what we want to make and um it was really a, f- a fun album to make like hybrid theory was stressful mm. this album was awesome like it was so it was like so so great question though. was was this the first album that we got like creative control to the extent that the label didn't even come into the room until the end it was. It right. was very. Di- it was very different. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the first one, they were meddling a lot. Yeah. And we would have to like constantly have our defenses up, and like have like little like sidebars with each other and be like, okay, they said this. Like, what do we all think about that? Yeah. Yeah. On this record, it was like, as I remember, it might have been the first one, and it, this happened with each of our records. It, where we were like, okay, we'll we'll call you when it's ready for you to hear it, and they were like, oh, you guys know. You guys know what you're doing. Unbelievable. We, we trust. The onions on you guys, man. And I, this is, yeah, you that is the right, that, by the way, that was the appropriate response. I Shrugging the shoulders sorry, like, have that's you, what happens when you go sell read, more. Yeah. Go read Rick Rubin's new book. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. the artistry and the, like, it, you gotta impress yourself first. You gotta yeah. make the songs that you go, damn, that's a good song. Like if no one else likes that song, I know I'm on good footing because I think it's but great. But see, this, these are the decisions that get made that, that grow the tree a little, a few more feet toward the sun that allow the artists in 2023 who have that attitude mm. to sit beneath the shade. Mm. And you didn't have that. That's why I say the onion's on you. Like, mm. who was doing that after their debut album before you? <laughs> Very few artists would have done that. You're in the Warner Brothers machine, kids. You got to f- do as you're told to some degree. No disrespect, but we're a business now. You want to go and play around on your own time? Do it on your own time. And so you were doing it on their time. That's sick. And that's why that album, doing what it did. But it's interesting, you know, like, the success of that album, I'd imagine, threw up some other questions just for you as a, as a unit, which is we're two for two. Mm. We have real infrastructure around us now. We're a business as well. And we have to think like a business, right? There's no point in us doing this. It's like Paul McGinnis always said to you too, you know, there's no point in just being in art and not focusing on the business of art. Right, you got to you got to be able to handle both, and so, what were some of the challenges that Meteora threw up for you? Looking back on that, I really feel like this album was liberating. I really feel like it was liberating for us because it's easiest to compare it to Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory was all, you know, pushing the rock up the hill 
like with people actively pressing against us. Um, and even with the success at the end of the hybrid theory, like the documentary that Mike referenced in this Meteora 20 package kind yeah. of starts at the end of hybrid theory. How long was hybrid? How long is hybrid theory? The, the, 40 years. The, Are you yeah. mean the, the, the touring, touring cycle? cycle? Too. It was 18 no, the, months. Wasn't the it? album length. Oh, it's like 40 minutes. Yeah, it's lean. It's lean. It's lean. And we were, we had at the end of the hybrid theory cycle, we were like in a, we were headlining arenas. Yeah. You know, this promoter would come in and say like, what's the plan? We'd be like, you know, what's the, how long do you have like slotted for us to play? He'd be like 90 minutes. <laughs> and we'd be like, <laughs> um, uh, what? <laughs> you know, like how are you a headliner when you only have 37 minutes of material? Yeah. Like we could do the album twice. Yeah. Cause we're talking a lot about the studio and yet, the majority of our time in that era was on the road. I yeah, mean, you toured relentlessly. We toured relentlessly. I think we toured like two and a half years on Hybrid Theory and maybe two years straight on Meteora. And so having actual material <sighs> to play on stage, I mean, it just made us, I think this album helped solidify us as a touring band. Weren't you fucked after four years of just grind and touring? I know that the energy and the touring and the fun and the success and it's great and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it's, there's only so much internal space that you have. I mean, I give these guys... So sometimes people ask, you know, it's not apparent with six different guys and all of the different things that the band does. It's not apparent to them where, the, where some of those things are being where they're coming from, who's driving them, who's, right. who's good at what in right, the band. Right, right, And that, what you just said, I'd say the, these two guys sitting on my left and right are the ex, were the experts in the moment. They were the, the, I think Brad and Dave were the ones who towards the end of the Meteora album cycle, probably starting earlier, but really, get, but really like coming into focus at the end of that yeah. album cycle that said, hey, our lives just changed a lot you guys yeah. like we were one minute i was like literally making beats on a cassette four track in my mom and dad's house and now we're here and we like we've got an album a thing that is happening with jay-z like yeah. it's, this is a we're in an entirely different not only phase of life but like something happened that's very big and we need to take some time to like reflect on it and talk about it and no one else is going to be able to like guide you through it. It's going to be the six of us with each other and the six of us looking at inside, looking at ourselves. It wasn't without its challenges. You know, I would hear reports that, you know, Chester was struggling. I don't know if other people were struggling and if so how they were struggling and what was going on. And, and I just sort of wonder, like looking back on that now, how you did navigate through those choppy waters because six people in a band, someone's life goes on, guys. And Linkin Park can't protect you from life. You can only control so much. And even then, that's a perception issue. So as life's going on around the success of the band, how that balance was and how you came out of that, and perhaps where it was kind of at its most difficult. Youth. Mm. Oh, you ignore it. Youth. Well, there's all energy, right? I'm yeah. saying like young people, man, like a 22-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> just send them out into the world. Yeah, right. I mean, but it was no. It's but, a fair. It's a fair, fair answer. I, I think. I think youthful exuberance was was a strength of ours. I think having like a real brotherhood, the six of us, to keep each other grounded, was a huge plus. And I think ultimately, we we did, you know, as Mike mentioned, really talk about like, you know, we need to cool it. You could always play more shows. Is that part of the reason why you love the idea of working with Jay-Z apart from the fact that he's Jay-Z was that there was some mentorship there subconsciously perhaps? I, th I don't think that was the thing. I think we got that. We anyway. got a little bit out of that as a byproduct. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we worked with Rick Rubin though. Like I think we, I think we headed into, meet, mm. into Minutes of Midnight and into that relationship with Rick because he knew, we knew he, he was a well of yeah. information beyond music what's one of the prevailing sentiments or observations or philosophies that he saw that you kind of needed and imparted with you at that time that really helped you through that time i mean this is now foreshadowing the next album <laughs> we talk about minutes to midnight yeah right which which came after meteora i think what was what might seem commonsensical looking back at it uh -huh. ret retrospectively I think it was a radical concept that when he met with us, he very 
kind of gently opened up the possibility for us to do something completely different than what we had done before. And, and that never would have even, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have entered my mind. Like right. I, I would have seen our trajectory as like a line. And I think he saw it as, you know, three-dimensional. Yeah. I yeah. actually remember it differently. I, that's so interesting. Cause I remember us sitting in his, in his library meeting with, with the polar the, bear the first time there's a, there's like a bear. Like, I remember thing I went to that house. house. Yeah. That was a beautiful house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember him asking us, what do you want to do? And I remembered all of us, every single person when they listed off, you know, this, 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 every single person said, I want to reinvent the band. Like mm. I want to do something that kind of like wipes the slate clean mm. and, and do something different. But he was, and I remember him, I know he said at the end of the conversation, that is the reason I want to work with you. He's like, I wasn't, you know, to be honest, I'm always making up my mind whether or not I want to work with somebody. When you said, when you all said that, that was the, that's the moment. I think too, like, to what you're asking about on Meteora and all the process of going through that, I always think back, like, it's easy to look back on things from any perspective and and then kind of like reverse engineer it. Mm. You know, these are the things that were happening. This is why, blah, blah, blah. And this is why it was a smart decision, et cetera, et cetera. But if I put us back into those moments, I just think, you know, we were a set of guys who were kind of going through a lot of crazy stuff and trying to figure it out as we went. And in the process, a lot of like, I think we had some, we had more wins than losses, but we definitely had both. Ups and downs. Uh, yeah. So, but in the process of it, it was just, I don't know, there wasn't, there wasn't as much of the science to it or the pressure or mm. the grandiosity Maybe that's not a word either, but that's definitely that a word. is a word. Yeah, for sure. There wasn't a. <laughs> I He's was so, saying the other day, I need a fact checker with me. By the way, just, Dan, just walking around with you yeah, all that, the time. It's called the be, internet, bro. I'm not buying the self-effacing. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, uh, yeah. comfortable with the English language thing yeah. coming coming from over there, bro. I'm, I'm just playing dumb. Yeah, you look like an exceptionally handsome coach for an Ivy League school football team. Thank you. Right now, what do you think? I'm just acting dumbly <laughs> for your sake. Oh, I, okay, that gets one. <laughs> oh, there it is. We have, I knew you had sound effects. I have sound effects. I knew I could get one out of conversation. You. So good. You know, um, but I but to finish yeah, the thought, but to fi- <laughs> yeah, to finish this awesome thought. It's such a great answer when the host just goes, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then makes a bomb noise. And you know what's yeah. even funnier is normally it works, but he's like, yeah, uh-uh. he's like, still no. Gone. Still no, gone. <laughs> I'm riveted, gonna... by the way, to what he's going to say. <laughs> well, gonna, by the, our time's going to be up. We're still going to be stuck in this arms. So like, carry on, carry on. Press the bomb again. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then cue it up for when I'm done. I'll, right, I'll, sig- right, I'll right, signal right. you. All right. Uh, but in the process, yeah, we just didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, we, were, we were learning on the, what's the, what's the saying? We were on learning the fly. On the on fly. The fly. We, were, we, were, we were a mess. Listening to Lost was emotional, obviously. Mm. Uh, for me, and I'd imagine when you found it again. I actually, I didn't feel. You didn't feel it? I felt like. I described it to people as like finding a photo you forgot you'd taken. Mm. Like I felt so good because I, mm. I, I remembered the song. It was it was an important song while we were making the record. It was the song. The album ended up being twelve songs. And that was close, and it was number thirteen. That it was one, just, I, I can imagine that was arm on, wrestling into the very last. Minute. I think what's so interesting about the song is it wasn't like the thirteenth. It wasn't because it was the thirteenth best song on the album. It was one of our favorite songs. Yeah, we loved we it. We went to New York. We were at Andy Wallace's studio and we mixed all the songs and we would always do the sequencing like during mastering. So that yeah. comes next. Yeah. And so our intention with Hybrid Theory, with Meteora, with Minutes to Midnight, with all of our albums was always to make an album. The album, the album was our medium. Like mm-hmm. certainly each song was important mm-hmm. and we wanted the album to tell a story. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah. these are just the best and songs. And it's the most fun. Track listing is fun putting shit in order and giving it a sense it's one of my favorite things so what was so weird is the song that we loved when we were working on i i recollect when we were working on the sequence we didn't know where it didn't make sense where it would go like i have a theory as well i think because numbs the last song on the conventional album i think that that it's sort of it it made the decision for you because it's like well if that if it doesn't make it before numb it can't go after numb right and it and it had a some kind of DNA, emotional DNA that Numb has, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Definitely. we like didn't need, the weird thought was like, 
okay, let's actually hold the song off the record because you know we have Numb. Numb, Numb will hopefully have its moment in the sun, and then yeah. maybe at some point. This this song lost will have its moment, and then we actually forgot we made the song. So crazy. Well, and we moved into that other phase that we were just talking about, yeah. which is don't look back, rewrite the DNA of the band, go to so Malibu, soon, figure it out. As soon as you're yeah. in that phase, you're like yeah, everything else we've ever written doesn't exist. Well, it ain't the streaming era, so just putting a song out on a deluxe, blah blah blah. That's not a reality no, back then. There was it's none like, of that. It there needs to be attached to something, or the label's yeah. not going to put resources behind it. Yes. Blah blah blah. So it sits on a shelf. You bring it out. I actually love that you were able to experience it. I loved it, man. From a point of place I of had joy. Such a, it felt so good. Like, I, got, I, like, I, got like, I had this I had the same yeah. feeling that a lot of fans had, which was like, oh man, that is a moment in time. Like what a what an incredible little time capsule. But I just is. went back and started listening to the lyrics to it and I was reminded how there was just few people on this planet and still to this day who are mm-hmm. able to um draw a correlation between the things that we get told you know we shouldn't talk about and you bury that Mm. he found a way to bring it out of him and Mm. i think that in a lot of ways was apart from the personal loss and the sadness of losing somebody was the hardest thing for us all as fans was to realize that the person who did such an incredible job of making us feel like we weren't alone couldn't get past it Mm. and that is just heartbreaking Yeah. yeah You know what I mean? Obviously you do. I mean, yeah. it's just... Yeah, I think into in what you were saying, for me with Lost, you know, I hadn't heard that song maybe in, in 20 years, right? Like that fits the timeline. And so I had kind of, in the back of my head, forgotten about it. And so that when I heard it, it was that discussion of like, has this ever been released? Like I, we didn't even necessarily know if it had gone out somewhere. And then it came back like, no, this has never gone out into the it's never been on a fan club cd it's never been on a japanese b-side extra track it's never been in any of those places that sometimes you use these cool and it's really good most people pull it out and it's just like ah it's 70 percent. that's why it didn't make the album like right really good yeah so all that stuff goes into me then saying like okay i need to listen to this song like be have that recollection of what it was and i listened to it and i was like okay obviously i immediately remember the song and it was a weird mix for me of so much excitement hearing it kind of like almost as a first time because it had been so long and just hearing like Chester's voice in that presentation and not having, you know, a deep connection with it yet um, or at least having 20 years removed from that particular moment in time of his recording that song. But then also having like that, it, it kicks up that feeling of like, man, like I just miss this guy, you yeah. know? And so there there is that... I think of a lot of our fan base has that kind of a uh, conflicted yeah. feeling also. It of, is conflicting. It's beautiful to hear, but it's that. Yeah. It's that. And it's um, the fact that you can listen to it and, and that's part of the experience and not the whole experience is a real sign of growth. And it takes time to find life when life changes, right? And life does change all the time and we're always one step behind it. Was there a period in time when you just couldn't listen to your music like after Ch- Chester left? Like... How did it affect you, Brad, in terms of your your feelings about Lincoln Park as a part of your life? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely easier to listen to things now, having had some space from that moment. And I think um, we did celebrate the 20-year anniversary of Hybrid Theory. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, that was more painful charge of emotion. Mm-hmm. Watching like the the DVD of this, and you were talking about like Chester's like silliness and that's definitely not absent from the <laughs> from the home videos. Um, I think they were actually videos at that point. Yeah, um, literally. It was literally tape. Chuck a VHS um, tape in your It was thing. digital tape. Yeah, that's what they called it. That was the they future. Digital tape. That was the future. Yeah, there's more like lightness and joy for me personally, like in revisiting this yeah. album at this moment in time. Yeah. And with the song Lost in particular, I'm just really proud of the song. Like I'm proud of the work we did back then. One of the goals of when we were making this album was like to make something that was timeless. Like we said that in like our interviews, like we want to make a timeless album. And like, it's kind of like moxie to say like, who's, you know, like, who are, who are you? What does that even mean? And um, you're 20. <laughs> what does that mean? Timeless, you know? Well, I loved it because you doubled down on the on the on the distrust you got at the beginning. You were like, "Well, you know, we're not going to apologize. We're going to make a better record." And so the fact that we're actually here 
20 years later, not only like celebrating this this moment in time in this album, really like celebrating an old new, old new song. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like it's of the period. It sounds like it's an integral part of this Meteora experience. And it also feels like right now to me. It does. And so like, I'm just like, I love the song. I listened to it probably like 50 times when, when we first, you know, unearthed it. Um, I listen to it a lot. Yeah. Like currently. Yeah. So that I don't know if that answered your question. It does. And it's beautiful that you can that you can do that. I, I can't imagine how challenging it is when you're in a your life is going in one way at a certain pace and you work hard to get there. And then you have to rethink and figure out like how does life go on without someone I really care about in it? You know, it's a it's it's a part of the life life experience. Um sitting here with you now, having the three of you and uh, you know, love Joe, love Rob, love love all of you. You know, it feels so right to me. And I don't know how I was going to approach this, you know, this conversation because I have so many questions and so many of them aren't my business. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and so I want... I will tell you that in the, in, in what, five, six years, you are the only person who has said it that way. Mm. So thank you for that. That mm. was very kind. Well, I love you as people. And people I, don't say like, "Hey, I realize I my job is to ask these things." Yeah, and I'm going to ask you stuff that's none of my business. It's none of my business, and it's, also it's okay to say that. And also, I I really care about you as people. I mean, you made the records. You gave us the gift. We have those. That was that trade is complete. Thank you, thank you for the albums, and thank you for the shows, thank and you, thank man. you for the songs sure. and the moments. Like y- 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 the ribbon is on that too soon but it's 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 on like we get it you gave us more than any we could have asked for but my point is this like i know life goes on you got to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life as individuals and whatever but how does it feel when you come together in moments like this Hmm. and it feels like a band to me and it's not the same band but selfishly it still feels like the band i think for me i realize that's okay to say yeah no i think like I mean, to compliment these two guys and, you know, Rob and other guy. Joe. Joe. <laughs> I, was blank, I was blanking on his name, which his totally name kills Joe. it totally kills my whole point of what I was gonna say. Uh, I, what's that other guy's wait, name? Wait, I think his oh name is God, Joe. That was my favorite. Is his name Joe? My it's brain is was reeling. This, this year. But uh I realized I think a long time ago, so call it twenty years ago, probably in the in the midst of this album. Mm-hmm. But then it was so much more affirmed five-ish years ago that there's a very small set of people that have gone through something very similar to what my life has been, Mm. and they're all in my band. Mm. And I'm so lucky to have such an awesome set of guys to have done that with, you know, Chester included. Like, this group of six guys, these other five guys that I've been able to do it with are... Mm all A pluses as far as people you'd want to be around and hang out with. and I, Including the guy named Joe. Including the guy named Joe. And, and that's not, I don't, I don't take that for granted in any industry, but especially maybe not, in, especially not in the music industry, yeah. that you're going to have a set no, of guys you're that, so you're that care for each other and that <laughs> no. we're all, to a person, my wife like always makes fun of us, I guess, or, or at least points it out, that to a person, we're all very different mm-hmm. personality-wise, one to the next but each guy cares about each other and is very emotionally intelligent and just wants what's best for each guy's family and individually. And so I think there's a special aspect to that in this this group of guys. And I think our in the back of our heads, our goal was always to connect with each other. First and foremost, we see each other as very different from person to person, but we wanted to find things that we had in common musically that we loved and that we could really passionately invest mm-hmm. ourselves into. And then almost secondarily, we wanted that to connect with other people. We wanted that to be able to communicate and kind of connect with anyone who's coming to our music. So there's been this... That's the right mind, order of events, by the way. That's the right order. Mm. Yeah, and so the process kind of as I looked back at it or zoomed out, whether it's Meteora, whether it's everything, the process that I've always loved that that we've stumbled upon is trying to figure out first and foremost what do we love and what are we passionate about what do we get excited about and then how does that connect between the six of us and then taking the next step of like how Mm -hmm. do we share that with others and how do we connect and how do we 
become a community in that sense? Like, where do we find common ground? And I think it also can't be said enough that, because you're referencing like the, or it is, this is personal. Music is personal. Like we didn't, we weren't like reverse engineering a thing. Like we were trying to speak truth and make stuff that we love. And the hope is that someone then connects with it and invests their own story, writes themselves into the experience. And fortunately that, that happened for our band. And so while we're really proud of the album and, and we would have been if only 10 people liked it, I just think it's important to acknowledge that so many people have helped us both like on our team and at record labels and publishing companies. And then just people hearing the song on the radio and you, tattooing the lyrics on their arm. Can you even, you can't. You, and coming to a thousand shows. Brad, you shouldn't even comprehend this, but let me try to put it in a framework. And I'm trying to figure this mathematical equation out. And this is probably at the end of this particular conversation. And I sincerely hope it won't be our last. I love Joe and I love Rob and I hope we get a chance to do this again. But let's just finish with this little math. So we've done a really good job of taking songs and taking artists and taking the people that make them. And we, and we, all of us, even as fans, we sort of put them in this kind of easily distributed kind of experience of like, oh, this is Linkin Park and these are their songs. Do, 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 and 12 songs, one album, Meteora, boom. You know what I mean? But what we don't realize is that that's just the start. And every time that somebody listens to Numb or Breaking the Habit or any of the songs on this album, their life has changed for the better. They don't listen to music for bad. You don't do it to punish yourself. So your life is better. And then you share it with someone else and their life is better and their life is better and their life is better. And then the show and the story gets told about the Lincoln Park show and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da and it dots forever. And so if you think about the reach and the, and the distance that your band has had in the music that you make, You've affected millions and millions and millions of lives and you will continue to affect millions and millions of lives. It will never stop. There's no end to this. So it's fucking incredible. I'm so glad I'm in this life. I'm so glad we're still here. <laughs> I miss Chester as a fan. I didn't see him enough, but I always loved him. And it's great to see you. And I appreciate you always. It's great to see you. It's great to spend time with you. Thank you for being such an integral through line in our whole journey <laughs> and like, it's just amazing to share this kind of celebratory moment with you. So yeah. like, thanks for all your thoughtfulness. Yeah, it's really awesome.